lead. I will follow anywhere that you tell me to. If you need me, you need me to be with you. I will follow where you lead. everyone hi friends welcome back to another episode of literally disturbed and that's so bad friends. no i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um so this is our 30th episode i know isn't that like that's like it's weird that's like insane that's like i insane. feel like now listen okay first of all i don't necessarily know that when we started this podcast, if we knew we would actually end up to episode 30. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we always hoped for that. But I don't know if we ever fully thought that this was going to last. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, you know. And I also feel like pretty much everyone else that knows us felt the same thing. <laughs> well, guys, we proved everybody wrong, including ourselves. Yes. We're still here disturbing you every week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're listening anymore. Oh, you know, actually, some some still are. There's a few people okay. in our <laughs> audience. Hey, friends. Anyways, um, that was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this whole day has been an awkward day for me. I'm sorry. You know. Okay. Love you, mother. Anyways, so... Do you have anything that you need to get out of your system? Let me think. Um, do, 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 do. Poop, poop, poop. No. <laughs> um, no, I feel like I, there is something. I know there's something. Okay, well, while you're thinking about it, I'm going to start on my story, Katie. Okay? <laughs> That's not how this <laughs> works. <laughs> no, Katie, you're always trying to, like, make me do what I'm supposed to do, okay? Have you think you were the big the sister or something? have structure? Structure? What I like structure. Is structure. We're like complete opposite. We literally are. And I feel like, okay, so here's actually what I wanted to talk about. It just came to me. It's like, Great. oh yeah, hey, here we are. Two hours later. <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> okay, so we are going to do a new segment Excuse sometime. <laughs> We've talked about this, Katie. But I didn't, we have to talk about before we tell the people. But we're going to tell them because if we don't fucking tell them, then we're not going to do it. And we're going to keep pushing it off. And it's going to be like, oh, we'll just do it okay, next just week. Say it, cause just be cut say out. it. No. Okay. So we're going to do a next segment that involves us discussing lifely things like life issues and, you know, events and problems that people have in everyday situations. And we're just going to have like a little table talk, right? This is going to be like an added bonus content kind of thing for our. I feel like I don't like the word patron, so I'm just going to call you our friends because that's what you are, our friends that pay us money. <laughs> 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 just kidding, but really. Anyways, uh, so yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to start doing this whole table talk. Think like the red table with Jada and Willow and Gam Gam because I love them. And our very first topic, I believe, should be how incredibly opposite we are and all the different ways and how interesting it is that we came up from the same parents and we ended up so different and how it affects our current lives and how we handle things and how we interact together and help each other because I know you help me more than I help you but I help you sometimes in your feelings emotions space <laughs> I help your feelers you okay help me a lot I try. I feel like I have to make up for a lot of pastime. Oh, <laughs> you know, big sister status. Y'all y'all know what I mean. Um but yeah, I guess that is gonna be an extra for our friends. Yes, I do our feel like that's gonna be on a patron friends. thing. Yes. And and oh yeah. Oh my god, how could I forget this? So I created a new group to this week and totally didn't tell Katie either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she was like, what the fuck is she doing now, Brittany? 
<laughs> and I was so, like, I can't, because people keep re- kept requesting to join it. And I was oh, like, and I, I for- have added you as it's thing. okay. But if your you group. you have access to literally disturbed, you can do it through the, our page. You oh. just go and make yourself a thing. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So <clears throat> this is Brittany's group that she started. Katie can help if she wants. I told her she could. I'd let I her. don't know what it what's happening with it. So she hasn't even told me. Listen, about I have a hobby, and I don't necessarily know that you could call it a hobby. Is more of a you're An nosy. Urge. I- <laughs> you're nosy. It's okay. I'm nosy too. I use it too. Yes, I am very nosy. I've always been the kind of person that's like got their ear turned up towards conversations that are interesting as a kid. You know, always wanted to know what the adults are talking about. Hiding in the corners trying to peek on adult. I wasn't adult that creepy. Oh, but- I was straight creeper. <laughs> Anyways. No, listen though. There was a lot of talks that were had that were juicy. I don't remember I, any of them, but I, I liked living in my perfect bubble to where I was ignorant to all of the oh, adult I things. I knew all of it always. And it's so, that's another thing that is going to be brought up, I feel like, is the fact that she literally had no idea anything about our family until adults. Like, literally within the last couple of years, we've sat and had conversations. She's like, I didn't know any of this. How did I not know this? Yeah. Well, it's because you're not nosy enough. I know all the juicy deets. I think it's better to not know some things. Though. Ignorance is bliss, but knowledge is power. <laughs> Anyways, so I feel like that was like a prerequisite to my future craziness. And so now I feel like I have tools to prevent some of that craziness <laughs> from coming into my life, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe I'll just be the craziest of them all. <laughs> I feel like I could be leaning towards that mm. side. Anyways, okay. So the group, yes. So we can, you know how I do, get right back on track. Yeah. So the group is, uh, it's literally disturbed investigations, and basically, it's if you want to be nosy and you don't know where to look, I do. I got resources. I've got stuff that I literally pay for each month that gives me information. And, um, but listen, we but like to is, put out good karma. This is good. I will not help you like hurt anyone or, and that's why I have it as a, like you can submit your story and we'll decide whether or not we help it because most of this is for free. I'm just doing it cause I just, it's fun for me. I love searching and finding puzzles and you know, like I started this because there was a group I was a part of and I helped this woman. She was trying to find her. I think it was her aunt, her her mom's aunt or something. I can't remember exactly who it was. But it was this long-lost person that had disappeared like decades ago. And they had never heard from her again. Didn't know what happened to her. And so she, you know, had given a couple, what few details that she had. And I went and I worked my little magic. And I, I found her LinkedIn profile, her Facebook profile, all kinds of different. I gave phone numbers, her last phone numbers. Um, and she called one of the phone numbers and and. She showed the picture that I found of her to her mom. And the weird thing was, is this woman, she was probably about my age. So I'd say, you know, late 20s, early 30s. Um, she never met this relative that she was looking for. She never met her before. Mm-hmm. And according to her LinkedIn profile, she was a marine biologist. And this girl was a marine biologist. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. so weird. Super crazy. Um, so I gave her this information. And she's like, yeah, my mom said that's her. That's so crazy. Thank you so much for finding her. And I was like, all, all of my heart feels like, yay, connection. And then I find out that the last phone number that she called was actually her ex-boyfriend's, and she had died of an overdose. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, so that was kind of a bummer. But At least they know what happened to her. Yes, they did get some closure on that, and they were able to connect with her son, so they were able to meet with him. I, think, okay. I know they talked with him, and I think they were planning on getting together or something. So that was fun. And I've helped, um, you know, just a couple, there's a couple other, you know, people that I've, Help to find information on or, you know, say you're, you meet some guy on Tinder. I don't know what these new dating apps are these days. And Bumble. you want to stalk him because he didn't call you back. <clears throat> no, no, I'm not going to help kidding. you stalk him. No, but if you are like going on a date, because there's a very special person in our life that we love dearly that will not be named, but likes to date a lot. And sometimes it makes us a little weary and worried about their safety because there's, scary people out there and we literally research murders every week mm-hmm. so it's kind of something in the back of our mind so if you're gonna go on a date and in gr- guys girls whoever you are you know you want to kind of see if there's something to be worried about. i'm not probably going to tell you 
all of their crimes. But if there's something that you need to be looking out for, I might say, okay, maybe I would, Mm -hmm. I would be a little careful or something like that. Um, uh, yeah. So, but if there's more in depth details, like if it's going to take me forever to find this person, I might charge a little bit of money just for some time, you know, spent, but, Mm -hmm. and that'll probably be like a package I'll have for Patreon. Like, Hey, if you want me to go and this stock people, you know, but it's basically like private investigators. They do background checks on people and stuff like that. I just want to, mm-hmm. it's just something fun for me. I, I like, it's like a puzzle and I get to find people. Mm-hmm. And like when you finally find that person and you tell them and they're like, oh my God, yay. But anyways, so that's what that group is about. And there's actually been a lot of people. I feel like there's more people on that group than our other group. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. There's like, there's like 30 something people in there already. And I don't feel like there's that many in our other group yet. Which... It's not too late to join guys. Y'all can go <laughs> join our Facebook group at official... Literally disturbed. And it is officially pod- called official. Yes. <laughs> Literally disturbed podcast group. But yeah, and I mean, we're still kind of working on putting stuff in that group, but it's a fun place. There's been people connected and share stories and different news article mm-hmm. thingies. It's cool. Yeah. Anyways, if you like us, join us, talk to us. We're there sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we work a lot, guys. We try. And sometimes mm-hmm. I get home and... There's like freaking hundreds of Instagram notifications on my phone. I'm like, I don't know what to do with all of you. I'm going to sleep now. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's do your story. Okay. Story so time. Mine is. Uh, you heard? I heard this is gruesome. It's yeah. It's just it's a it's a one it's something. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but I was like on Facebook and Bailey Sarian had popped up and she was doing her story on it and so. Oh, okay. It inspired me. So, this is the story of Joe Matheny. Joe Matheny. I've never heard of this person. Or Matheny. Matheny. Joe Matheny, maybe. Okay. Um. So, I my sources are Wikipedia, Murderpedia, AllThat'sInteresting.com, and then Bailey Syrian. So, Joseph Roy Matheny was born on March 2nd, 1955. He lived in the Baltimore, Maryland area. Um. So... Joe claimed that he had been neglected as a child and that his father was an alcoholic who was killed in a car accident when Joe was six. Oh, oh, mess you up. Yeah, and he claimed that his mother had neglected her six children while she worked double shifts outside the home. Okay, listen. (laughs) I'm just going to make a comment there. I'm real sorry. As a mother of four who works all the effing time, Literally, my only days off are podcast days, which I spend here doing this all day. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I love it. It's my happy day. But you do what you got to do when you're a single mom taking care of six kids. So don't say this. But he didn't have a father and she was was never home. And so in a way, it did affect him, even if it wasn't meant to be that way. Right. I just feel like it kind of... You don't like the word neglect. I don't because it, when I hear neglect, I feel like that makes her sound like a bad mom. And I don't, I feel like it's really, it is a button for me. It's just really hard as a person who is a mother that works all the time and wishes she could be with her kids. It's something that weighs on me. So to hear a child. But at least they, ha- like they have their dad with them. Your kids have their dad. He, they didn't have a dad. They were by themselves. Yeah. So it was neglect. And there were six of them. It was neglect. I guess that's true. Not on purpose. Not intentional and you have to do neglect. what you got to do. But anyways, we're not going to I'm sorry. Get into that. So <laughs> sorry. yes, he yeah. felt like he was neglected. Okay. So Joe said that his parents uh, often sent him to live with other families in a foster-like arrangement. But his mom claims a different narrative though. Uh-huh. So his mother said that they were somewhat poor and she had to work hard as a waitress, barmaid, and a food truck driver. But she had provided for her children with a normal life, and the children had never gone hungry or had been put into homes of other families, as Joe had claimed. She said that, quote, Joe was an above-average student, always polite, and not, and not mean as a child. She said that he was smart and he had a good childhood. If he was neglected, it was his own fault. It was a pretty good home. So that's See, what his mom said. Okay. So I feel like I'm definitely on the mommy side here, because he's probably just... Making excuses for himself. It, it's really weird. Their stories on certain things don't align, and you'll see right here. So, oh, okay. 
So Joe joined the United States Army when he turned 18, and this was in 1973. Okay. His mother said that he had served in Germany, although he claimed that he had served a tour in Vietnam. Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) Vietnam. That was my... (laughs) <laughs> Forrest Gump coming out. <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh my god, I saw. No, no, hold on. No. What is it? Because I'm cutting all this what out. What generation? What generation is Forrest Gump from? I don't know. Gen A. I hate you. <laughs> okay. <Sorry>. Gen A. <laughs> no. Okay. So he served a tour in Vietnam. And had become addicted to heroin while in the artillery unit. Oh, there. that's good times. His mother said what? that. I'm sorry. His mother said that she had no recollection of him serving in Vietnam, and the circumstances of his service were reported as unverified in press reports. So he's a lying sack of crap and taters. Yeah. So American involvement in Vietnam had ended by that time. So we don't know <laughs> if it, that's true or not. That's funny. So it's weird. Like, he's a sociopath. He's just a liar. So, Joe hardly ever contacted his mother after he joined the army. She said he just kept drifting further and further away. I think the worst thing that ever happened to him was drugs. It's a sad, sad story. That is very accurate. So, Joe was called tiny, even though he was far from that. He was 6'1", large-framed, and about 450 pounds. Oh, shit. So that's an ironic name. Yes. He spent most of his time at bars, living with the homeless community in makeshift man camps. Um, he spent most of his money on heroin, crack cocaine, and liquor. Delicious lifestyle. But he kept a steady job as a truck driver and was known to be super professional, intelligent, well-spoken, and had really good manners at work. So I'm going to like move aside my joking asshole side for a second here and say that that is just makes me sad, you know, because that is that is the that is a perfect example of addiction has no discrimination. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who you are, where you are, what race you are, what social status you are. It'll sneak up and grab you by your butthole and won't let you go. Yep. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways, so. So he ends up getting married, and they have a son. Okay. Um, I can't find anywhere of what the wife's name was. Um, I tried looking at different sources, but I don't know who she is, and she I don't know who the son is. Okay. Um, Maybe so, there's a reason for yeah. that. So they moved. They all moved into a little trailer in South Baltimore where they lived. Okay. So I'm going to tell this story from his own words and from his point of view. Okay. Because he wrote out a confession. So we need to keep that in mind when yes. listening to what you're about to say. These are not my words. I you are in no way affiliated with the I, statement you're about to make. <laughs> I hope I don't offend anybody because I'm literally reading what he said. I just thought it would be a cool, not cool, but like, <laughs> I thought it would be interesting to see it from his own right, side which, and like his own words describing right. what happened. To me, that is like what I find so fascinating about all true crime is mm-hmm. I want like what makes their mind like what brings them to that mm-hmm. state of mind, I guess. You know, like what, how? Yeah. So, so tell me. Tell okay, me how. I'm going to tell you. I'm starting. I, I am now speaking as Joe. Okay. All okay. right, Joe. It all started back in July of 1994. I was at work. I was a truck driver. I was working overtime this one night. Then I got off and went home as I always did. But when I opened the door and turned on the light, I noticed there was nothing there. My old lady had taken everything, including my son, and left me. Oh, my. Her leaving was not my problem, but she took my six-year-old son with her. She was a crack addict, <laughs> she was a crack addict and a worthless piece of shit. I would have paid her to get out of my life. All she had to do was take my son over to my mother's house and she could have had everything else and be gone. I found out about six months later that she had moved on the other side of town with some asshole that had her selling her ass for drugs. They got busted for drugs and they took my son away from them for child neglect and child abuse. So the kid's in the system now. So he doesn't have a son. Mm -hmm. I had no chance of going to social services and trying to get my son back due to my 
my past criminal record. So I took it upon myself with the hatred I had for these two who lost my son to go looking for them. Yeah, bet you did. Yeah. So I found out from someone that they was going under that bridge and getting high with some homeless motherfuckers who lived <gasps> under that bridge. Not with you right now, Joe. <laughs> I went under there looking for them. They were not there, but the two homeless motherfuckers, they got high with them down there. They were passed out on some old stinking mattress, and that's where, <laughs> when I left, that's where they were when I left, except <clears throat> they were dead from being chopped up. What the f- Yeah. Um, that same um. night, again, this is in his words, please do not be offended by, like, Yes. Okay, so that same night, I lured the first crack whore down under that bridge. I got her high and was trying to get information out of her about my old lady's whereabouts. She acted like she didn't know, so I beat the hell out of her, and I raped her ass, then killed her. I put her in some bushes and went out and lured the second bitch down there. I did the same to her as the last one, but as I was about to throw her in the bushes with the other one, I noticed an old black man down by the river fishing, looking back up at me. Oh. I grabbed a steel pipe that was lying down and ran down on him and laid his head wide open. So I put the two girls and him in the river and weighed them down with rocks. That was a very busy night for me. Yeah, the fuck it was. Five murders with... In about seven hours. Oh, my. What? Yeah. It just gets worse. I washed up in the river and cleaned up the crime scene as much as I could, then left. Two and a half weeks later, I was arrested and charged with the murder of two men I chopped up. I spent close to 18 months in Baltimore City Jail waiting to go to trial. The trial lasted one week, and it was thrown out of court because of lack of evidence. So oh, he, God. Yeah. So I was free again. I'm horrified right now. I'm sorry. Like, I know you said this is no, gruesome, but I'm legit get horrified right now. It gets like a thousand times worse. What the f- How is that worse You'll than see. five people in seven hours? You'll see. You'll oh, see. I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> so I was free again. I went back and talked my old boss into giving my job back to me at the pallet company. There was a little trailer on the property, so I told my boss to let me stay there, and I would keep an eye out on the place. He agreed to this and gave me the keys to the front gate and main building. The company was on a dead-end road and was very isolated. It was perfect for what I wanted to do. Oh, God. He developed a taste, didn't he? Oh, a taste for something. Hold on. Oh, now I'm even more scared. Yeah, That That sounds very ominous. See, I'm not laughing at what's happening. You're I'm just, just laughing at laughing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I lured two more crack horrors up there to my trailer. I killed and butchered their bodies up. I cut the meat up and put it in some Tupperware bowls and oh, then put it in oh. the freezer. No, it gets worse. I buried the remains in several shallow graves in the little woods behind the company. Over the next couple weeks, on the weekends, I opened up a little open pit beef stand. Ah! Uh-uh! <laughs> no, he did not. Again, I'm not laughing at what's happening. I'm just nervous laughing. I had real roast beef and pork sandwiches. And why not? They were very good. The human body taste was very similar to pork. If you mix it together, no one can tell the difference. <coughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry right now. Okay. I don't know how. Can I read the next sentence? I don't know. Everything was going pretty good until I ran out of my special meat. Uh, uh, uh. Listen, I don't, brain does not compute right now. Uh He's, these people, these crack, I'm sorry, quote, crack horse, unquote. Uh So you're going up to Tiny, right? His name's Tiny, they call him Tiny? Yeah. But he's 6'1", 450 pounds. So Tiny, hey, friend Tiny in the food truck. But he's got drugs. Oh, what you mean in the food truck? I'm talking about sandwiches. This motherfucker is feeding people crack whore sandwiches. But they don't know that, and apparently it's, like, super good. Yes, that's my whole computation is I like food trucks. Just don't get the pulled pork, and you'll be fine. I really don't like pork that much, so I guess that's okay. (laughs) Pork is infested with... Parasites, in case you didn't know. Uh, thank you. 
Um, okay. So like I Please said, he ran out of his special me. me. Okay. Okay. So I lured another bitch up to my trailer. <laughs> I got her in there and started to rip her clothes <laughs> off and knocking the hell out of her. She was screaming, but there was no one around to hear her except me. And I just kept on laughing at her. Oh, God. I need to show you a picture of him while I have you on the mic. Because it just, it adds like a little sprinkle more terror on this. Okay. And I'll make that the picture for Instagram so everyone can see. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's, it's a good one. Okay. I turned around for a split second and that was my mistake. For she ran out the door before I could get to her. There was an eight-foot chain-link fence with barbed wire on top of it around the front of the company. But there was a stack of wooden pallets next to the fence, about ten feet high. That bitch scaled those pallets like a monkey and jumped the fence (laughs) and ran down to the main road where some guy in a pickup truck picked her up and took her to a nearby gas station where they called the cops. I don't even know what to say. This is why I needed to say it from his point of view. Uh Uh-huh. So, well, I knew the cops were on the way, but I didn't... I didn't run. I gathered up her clothing, grabbed the keys to the gate, and went out and opened it. Soon as I stepped out the gate, a cop car pulled up. And the cop jumped out and pulled his gun on me and told me to get on the ground. And that is where it all came to an end. It's like one of those scenes where you're probably wondering what happened to yeah, me. Yeah, like how I got into this situation. <laughs> well, let me just tell you. It all began. When I started when- cutting up bitches. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so inappropriate. But it was funny. (sighs) It was was inappropriately funny. Okay. Um, And they took me down and booked me. She had told me that I was going to kill her like the rest, which was true. They had me sitting in a little room down at Homicide, drilling me, damn near kissing my ass, trying to find out what I had done. They pulled me out of city jail every day for one month, taking me back and forth between the company and the bridge. I had they going crazy over at the company digging up the remains of those two bitches there because I had their remains buried in seven different holes. The only thing I feel bad about in any of this is that I didn't get to murder the two motherfuckers I was really after. Yeah. And that's my ex-old lady and the bastard she got hooked up with. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, why is he still just killing all these randos? Because he needed special meat. (sighs) Get with it, Brittany. Get their meat. No, I'm sorry. Don't get anyone's meat. That was inappropriate. That's not what I really meant to say. (laughs) Okay. So Okay. This is a great episode. Well, that's my story. Horrible but true. So the next time you're riding down the road and you happen to see an open pit beef stand that you've never seen before, make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Sometimes you never know who you might be he- eating. Well, ha ha. He had to put ha ha in there. Yeah, that was all his words. Oh. <laughs> oh, Katie. You're welcome. I feel sick inside right now. And I don't feel that way about a lot of these stories. This makes me disgusted. Like, I want to... My yeah. soul feels like it needs to be cleansed they, right now. And the the crazy thing is, is they couldn't charge him for the tampering of food with human remains because they don't they really have evidence. It it's just what he said. Yeah. yeah. Uh-uh. So, so Joe confessed to killing three men and four women, but he was only convicted of killing three victims and Those one are the attempt. Only ones they could actually and an like, attempted one, right? Okay, so Kathy Maga- Magaziner, Magaziner um, it was in 1994. Mm-hmm. She was 34 years old and was a sex worker. He buried her in a shallow grave on the side of the factory where he worked. Her body remained there for more than two years. Joe later said that he had strangled her and that he dug up her skeleton six months later, put her head in a box, and threw it in the trash. That's not what I thought he was going to say, but I'm glad that that's what you he say did. like. I feel like he was going to Ed Gain it, is what I thought. Okay. So Kimberly Spicer was killed in mid-November of 1996. He stabbed her with a knife. He kept her body hidden at the factory he worked at for a month and then tried to get a friend to help him bury the body. The friend reported it to police on December 15th, 1996, and Joe was arrested and charged with her murder that same day. 
The owner of the business was arrested with Joe as they left a Christmas party and was charged with an accessory after the fact for allegedly disposing of evidence. Joe began confessing to other murders as well as that of Kimberly, mm-hmm. the one I just said. Right. He kidnapped Rita Kemper on December 8, 1996, and attempted to rape her. According to prosecutors, he shared drugs with Rita in the trailer where he was living at the pallet factory site. She refused to have sex with him, of course, right, and ran out of the trailer. So he chased her, beat her, dragged her back into the trailer, and then pulled down her pants and attempted to rape her. By the way, that's Ed Kemper, not Ed Gain. I said Ed Gain. It's Ed Kemper that did that. Did Rita Kemper remind you? Yes, of that? as soon as, that was just really weird. It's probably like my spirit guy saying, "Hey, dummy, that was wrong." <laughs> um, Rita said he had attempted to murder her, saying, "I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls." She escaped through a window of the trailer and fled to police officers in the area, like I had just told you. Mm-hmm. Um, police said that he had chosen young white sex workers who were addicted to heroin and cocaine. The killings also involved brutal sex assaults. Um, he was indicted for killing Tony Lynn and Gracia, age 28, but those charges were later dropped for lack of evidence. He claimed to have also killed three other prostitutes along Washington Boulevard in Baltimore, although there was no evidence of most of those crimes other than his confession. He said that he had thrown bodies in the Patapusco River, and they had never been found. The Baltimore Sun newspaper reported in 1997 that it was not clear how truthful his claims were about how many people he had killed, although he said that he had killed up to 10 people. His attorney said that he was remorseful and that the drugs and alcohol had changed his personality and made him violent. He was tried in 1997 in the Kemper case and was given a sentence of 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault. He was acquitted of attempting to murder her. He was sentenced to death in 1998 for the murder of Spicer. At his sentence, ah, at his sentencing, I cannot talk. <laughs> at his sentencing hearing, he said that he committed murders because he enjoyed it. Clearly, he got a rush out of it, got a high out of it, and had no real no real excuse why other than I like to do it. Cool. Yeah. So, in August 1998, he pleaded guilty to murdering and robbing Magaziner, and prosecutors sought the death penalty in that case as well. He received a sentence of life in prison in that case. His death sentence was overturned in 2000, and the sentence for the murder of Spicer was reduced to life without parole. Um, So... He didn't get life, or he didn't get the death sentence, but he did... um, Or he just never getting out, though. Right. But he actually was found dead in his prison cell. Oh, okay. On August 5th, 2017, and he was the age of 62. So he was an oldie feller and just probably croaked in there. Yeah. His demons came for him. So um, that's my story, guys. Well, that's pretty cool. I figured after last week, you kind of kept it PG, so I needed to... To spice it up a bit. Yeah. Well, I'm going to kind of keep it PG this week, too. But I will say this, friends. I did not phone it in like I did my last paranormal story. I actually found some really, I found a good one. It's not, Uh I'm not going to have that train There's structure. There, There is a lot of structure and it's interesting and you'll just see. Okay. Okay. So when I think of Broadway, I think of the drama, the fashion, excitement, and of course the theatrics. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> of course, you know me. There's a certain vibe that comes with the theater that it has existed since its creation. Telling stories and creating energy to wrap you up in its essence and pull you into the depths of its message. With all of that being said, the residual residue of all of that energy created night after night from the directors and producers to the cast and crew all the way to the audience who wait in anticipation for the creation before them. What happens with all of that energy? <laughs> this is my turn to I don't say know. Something? I was hoping you'd say something weird and witty. What happens with the energy? I don't know. Is it imprinted into the place of the thing that it's in? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> this reminds me of your first episode that you did. I was trying to get you to like say shit. 
No, like your like whole dramatic intro that oh. we have no idea. I have a couple What's... dramatic intros. Okay? okay, you gotta you gotta you know build, I told her, build it up. I told her earlier that she's the main character. No, <laughs> don't put that in there. She's words. Your words, things. Anyways, okay. So, friends, back to the story. So, so what happens? What happens with all that? We all know that energy cannot be destroyed, only transformed. So where does it all go and what happens? I'm going to do a little mini-series on Paranormal and its home on Broadway, as well as other theaters across the world. Okay, interesting. So, it's not going to be like when we do like part one, part two, or we'll do like, you know. So just the next Paranormal just story the next porn- Yeah, exactly. You're about to say porno, right? Uh, you? I've. I feel like that might have came out, and I don't know why. The next porno will be (laughs) part of the series. I feel like that's another one of my spirit guys trying to tell me (laughs) What, you should get into the porn business? I need to get laid. Oh, God. (laughs) It's been a long, long time. Okay, (laughs) moving along. We're definitely cutting that out. Um, so, okay, first up, this one is very interesting. So this actually isn't the story that made me want to do this. But next week will be that one. Okay. Okay. So this one I just thought was really cool and we had to do it first. So it's the Glorious Belasco Theater. Okay. On Broadway. Okay. And. In New York? Yes. Because that's where Broadway's at. See. I mean, there's lots of Broadways, but I'm talking about the Broadway, like Broadway Theater. Okay. This place is gorgeous. If you would like to pause now and go check it out real quick, just don't read about it because that's rude. You're listening to me. Do that. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. It's freaking gorgeous this place it's one of the first like theaters back in the day okay it's like authentic broadway okay belasco david belasco who is a theater actor oh i'm sorry let me cite my sources really quick before i get into this good job yep um so ny.curb.com uh nyghost.com and wikipedia or my sources for today so David Velasco, who is a theater actor, manager, dramatist, and director, had the 111 West 44th Street building designed by architect, architect George Keister, and it opened in 1907 as the Stuyvesant Theater, um, in which he changed later, a couple years later, to be named after him, which is why it's now called the Velasco Theater. Okay. Um, he the, So the structure is brick with... And I think you'll find this interesting. Limestone trim. Inter- that is interesting. Mm-hmm. And a crowning pediment, dental cornice, fluted iconic pilasters, bunch of other fancy stuff that we probably have no idea what they're talking about unless you're mm-hmm. an architect. It's really pretty. Just go look at it. And if you're confused as to why limestone is interesting, because that is where a lot of these hauntings energies can be mm-hmm. stored and kind of like the stone tapping yeah. and um theory if you don't know what we're talking about we had i don't remember we did what an episode. episode on it somewhere but yeah. yeah um i think it was the bell witch maybe episode but we've even talked about it in several episodes yeah. since then so, so go google um, it yeah so it's a super interesting thing and that that really makes a lot of sense especially for what happens in the theater um anyway so yeah it's pretty that's what it is it's beautiful yeah he had a bunch of accomplishments in his life, Mr. Belasco, and one of them was he was he was basically a pioneer in the American Little Theater movement. Like he was one okay. of the first that kind of made it big. The movement advocated that dramatic experience depended on close contact between the actors and the audience. And the Landmarks Preservation Commission's designation report for the building explains, although it was smaller than its predecessors you know like the bigger theaters or whatever um the theater space was designed to offer an equally dramatic yet more personal setting and since he wanted he his theater to be akin to the intimate experience basically like he kind of wanted it to feel like you're in your grand living room and having the show played before you you know what i mean okay. not that you're going to like this big crazy event like it's a a private showing like it's more it's, intimate yeah more intimate more like makes me like more vip-ish you know okay. what i mean it's not like this mm-hmm. big mass crowd where you're going to like a sold-out concert with twenty thousand people you know there's only a small amount and it's just very i don't know i feel like it's a more personal experience to be able to be in that kind of setting than to go where there's like 
so many more people. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're really getting to connect. Right. And I think that was what he saw and what he thought too. Okay. So uh, throughout his life, he was fascinated with lights and machines. He was uh, also known for introducing many innovations into theater technology. The Belasco Theater had one of Broadway's first modern light boards. With 65 dimmer dials, it empowered crew to easily set the mood of performances. Hmm. So in 1910, three years after the theater's first ever performance of a production, A Grand Army Man, Velasco renamed the theater after himself. Reportedly, he spent almost all of his time within the theater's walls, living in his duplex penthouse until his death in what they believe is 1931. I'm sorry, not what they believe. His It was 1931. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, multiple sources claim that there have been consistent sightings of a spirit in Velasco's image and likeness. Ooh. Wearing a clerical collar and cassock. A cassock, clerical collar? Cassock. That's Basically, he, he looked like a bishop. Okay. Like a priest kind of fellow. I'm not really cultured in Catholicism. I don't. But that was kind of like the the look he was given. And he wasn't one of those people. Uh-huh. But that was like how he dressed. So I'm going to derail. And I know that, yeah. It's, it's okay. Just, it's your turn. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so you know in that book series that you and I read Evermore. Uh-huh. And you know the little sister uh-huh. when she died because she died young. Yep. I remember that. And she goes and she has like this giant closet where she can wear whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. And she always has like these crazy outfits on every day. <laughs> um, and then she goes to like ghost school and all right. that stuff. Cause doesn't she, it's like she finds her in the other realm or something, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's called like summer something. Summerland or something like that. I think yeah. it's Summerland. I think. I, I think don't it's know. that basic. But um, <laughs> that's a really series. good book series. It really though. is. Go especially when you're read it. when you're a kid, but. It's, it's probably still, still good. good now. It's, it's like, just a good fantasy story. Yeah. Um, but it just reminded me that of that. and A Great and Terrible Beauty by Libby Bray. All those series, that whole series is good too. It, they're kind of similar, but just different settings. Okay. Anyways, continue. But that, it just reminded me because she could just go change her outfit. Oh, so I didn't order. know if like. He, <laughs> that was his. He's like, I'm going to look like a bishop today. And then he just kind of got stuck with it. <laughs> um, well, I guess this is how he dressed in, in life. They okay. actually called him the Bishop of Broadway and the Monk. Those were his nicknames. Oh. I don't know. Um, actors have reported seeing a long, a lone dark figure watching from the balcony who would then attempt to speak to them after a show. Aww. Others reported the frequent sounds of footsteps, doors opening and closing at random, curtains swaying without being touched, and the elevator moving even when it wasn't in operation. If this is all too unbelievable to grasp, it should be noted that the Times once reported the possible existence of the ghost. Um, The story held that a dog would growl at an invisible figure in the theater every day at precisely 4 p.m. I get chills. Yeah, because it felt the presence of Velasco's spirit. However, it may not just be the theater's namesake who inhabits the building. There's also a ghost referred to as the Blue Lady. Okay. We'll talk about that in just a second. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why he's such a unique ghost. Because he's not like what you envision a regular ghost. Like kind of transparent and wispy and you can Mm -hmm. see through them. He looks like a real man standing in front of you. Like it looks like him. Mm -hmm. He's there and not a ghost. Um, He appears just like he did in life with tall, tousled hair. Um, There are some people, if they didn't know him, because there's some people that I ran into him and didn't mm-hmm. know who he was. And they thought, like, it was just... Some guy yeah. that they were talking to. Yeah. Like, imagine how many people you see a day that you think is a real person. And it could be a ghost just uh-huh. because you don't know any better. That's crazy. I didn't think I'm going to add that. that to my, like, paranoia now. Because <laughs> now it's like, oh, are you a serial killer? Are you a murderer? Because I know you have to at least walk by one murderer in your lifetime. Oh, definitely. Oh, uh, working at the casino, do you have any idea I'm how sure many times you- that crossed my mind? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was on high alert at all times working there. And sometimes even as a delivery driver, I wonder like, oh, yeah. I, I've and I know this is really morbid, you guys, and I'm going to get real with you here, real dark. Um, but sometimes I'm like, I, I always wonder, and I, when I walk up to a house, I always try to like listen. See if you can hear anybody. Yeah, because I'm like, what if I'm walking up to a house where there's like some poor girl locked in a basement or uh. in a closet? 
I don't know. I know that's really grim and gruesome, but I try to be like, because I literally, my area that I drive in, I drive all over everywhere and Mm -hmm. I've gotten to know a lot of people and even the, like I know we were just talking about homeless people, but I've actually gotten to know like the homeless system in my town and where people hang out and congregate and even have even met some of the homeless people. And, but I just try to kind of be like a neighborhood lookout. Like if I always try to pay attention, if I see someone walking down the road or like jogging, I try to make a mental note of what they were wearing and what they look mm-hmm. like in case something happened, you know, and I was in the area at the time I could, I know that's really that's weird. That's how but. I am with semis and just hoping oh, that there's yeah. not a bunch of people trapped in the back. Cause that's be- what's been oh, happening a lot lately. True, yeah. Cause they're Sex finding like trafficking, mm-hmm, a yeah. bunch of dead people in the back of semis. Oh, I didn't know they were dead. Oh, Cause they, sometimes it's, so it's heat exhaustion. Yeah. Okay. Oof. Sorry. Anyways. Dundee let's, yeah. All right. Let's move on to the more happy ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess many pretty young actresses would further their career by accompanying him up to his apartment via a phone booth-sized private elevator. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like that's super scandalous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't a bad-looking man. I mean, I'm not saying that's right. You shouldn't do that, girls. But, you know, back in those days, you did what you had to do to get where you wanted to be. You wasn't a terrible one, I guess. There's a yeah. lot of grosser men out there to... You could have tiny... Oh, fuck. She showed me his picture, you guys. It's even worse. It's it's every bit as awful as you think he would look like. Like, it Mm -hmm. definitely... It it added a more sprinkle. His story matches... Yes, his story matches his appearance very much. So, he is a terrifying man. Um, Anyways... So, this fellow, though, he kind of... This is going to be stupid, but... My Bob's Burgers fans will appreciate this. He kind of reminds me of Mr. Fish Odor. Is what he oh, looks my gosh. Like. That's kind of what he, like, that's the vibe he kind of mm-hmm. gives off to me. Um, so I guess that in his, his afterlife, that kind of, I guess. Still uh, happens? Not so much that they would follow him up to his, but he was very much still a flirtatious man to um, actresses that were on his set. Uh, oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> like he's like ghost fondling mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So basically, they they would hear his ghost voice, right? And sometimes, it, sometimes voice. he would walk up right to actors and shake their hands and tell them that they they did a fine fine job at their performance, and um, you know, give them accolades and stuff. But then more than one actress filed complaints with the house manager that an old man dressed up like oh, a no. priest has pinched their bottoms. Oh, no. <laughs> so we have a perverted ghost. Yeah, he's a little bit of a pervert. I mean, he's just getting like, hey, Greg, give me a little that piece of that. That is not consented. No, Do it's not. not touch my butt. But he's a man of the 1900s. He doesn't know what consent is. True. What's consent? I don't need your consent. I'm a you man. Woman. Uh, so basically, you know... If you didn't know what the hell was going on, it was scary. But uh, the veterans, <laughs> yeah. they thought that it was it was fun. They enjoyed seeing him. They thought of it as a good omen. It, they thought, like, if they saw him, they were doing a good job. Like, he okay. approved. Because, listen, the man had his urges, and he slept with his girls. And I'm not saying that it's right, because it's not. But other than him being extra flirty with these girls, uh-huh. he was a decent guy. He okay. did a lot for the community, for the theater community, for the Broadway theater. And he did a lot. the community. He, they always are. <laughs> Although he didn't, I mean. He didn't murder anyone. He was a murderer. Of. He just died in his, he died a lonely old pervy. Anyways, Blue Lady. Although I guess maybe he wasn't alone because Blue Lady. She appears in an icy cold blue mist and has been seen on the theater stairways and dressing rooms. There are reports of the sound of raucous. Huh? Raucous? That's a funny word. Loud parties. There was, they were being loud. In the Belasco apartment. Ruckus? That's what that word is. Ruckus. It's R-A-U-C-U-S. C-O-U-S. R-A-U-C-O-U-S. I don't know. Ruckus is what it looks like. But ruckus is what it is. You're right. (laughs) I'm just stupid. (laughs) Same. You know when you just look at a word and it just doesn't look right? Yeah. I feel like the English language does that a lot. It just doesn't really, like your brain is just like, that doesn't. Okay, English. You just have a glitch. Yeah. I have those a lot. Okay, moving on. I'm sorry. Um, so when workers would go upstairs to see who was broken into the apartment, it was empty. 
It was dusty. Nothing's been touched. Nobody's been up there. So the blue lady likes to party. She likes to get down with the get down. Okay. I guess. <laughs> uh, apparently, many people believe that she was Belasco's companion and claiming that his love of women had followed him into the afterlife. So maybe this was like the embodiment of all of the women that he loved or I don't know. But she's just like this womenly energy in this theater. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so let's move along. Uh, Melissa Erico, who played Mina in Dracula the musical, reported that Belasco does indeed haunt the theater. Quote, my dresser, Kathy. How interesting to have someone that dresses you. My dresser, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Saw him walk into a mirror the other day. She thinks he lives in the mirror long... Oh, I'm sorry. I kind of screwed that up. She thinks he lives in the mirror in the wall outside my dressing room. One night, I forgot my coat and I turned off the lights in my room. I turned back to get my coat Mm -hmm. in the dark. And someone, David, perhaps, turned the small pretty table light on for me Mm -mm. to see my way. Mm Mm-mm. That was helpful, but mm mm-mm. It was spooky. (laughs) Yeah. As I opened the door to leave... Uh, I was walking out and watched... Walking? Some, yeah. She I was, would be running. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I would, too. But someone closed the door behind me. I didn't touch it, but I watched oh, it move. Uh-uh. Yeah. No, no. So he just, you know, bye-bye, my lady. Have a great evening. He helped her out, but he in did. a creepy way. In a very creepy way. So getting into the spirit of their supernatural musical, the cast of Dracula celebrated Belasco's 150th birthday that year with a cake and saying happy birthday to him. So they're keeping his spirit alive. Definitely. During the run of Passing Strange in 2008, Daniel Breaker told Playbill Radio in an interview that one evening he was putting on his makeup in his dressing room uh, mirror when he saw an old man with white hair sitting behind him, silently watching him. Ew. Yeah. When Breaker turned around to demand what he was doing there, the man who resembled nobody working there on the show was gone. Breaker reported the incident to the house manager and was told, you just saw David Belasco. So all of the rest of this is just different, like different actors that have had encounters with him. Yeah. So Dominic Brewer, who appeared in the last season in Twelfth Night and Richard Three, wrote, we've not spotted Mr. Belasco or any of the theater's reported spooks to date, but... With the white makeup several of the cast wear for the Twelfth Night, along with the eerie gliding of the female characters, you'd be forgiven for thinking you'd spotted a ghost backstage. <laughs> um, however, we have had a strange happening on stage. One evening, the candles on one of our six hanging candelabras completely burnt down, probably twice as quickly as all of the others without any perceptible draft or obvious external influence. An unsolved mystery. Interesting. So current Belasco house manager Stephanie Wallace said that the Belasco has been uh, comparatively quiet in the years since the 2010 renovation. To tease him out, the creators of the theater's current hit, which this is at the time that this was, this article was written. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I really want to, I want to see this. It's got, it, I just want it looks very interesting. Um, but they actually wrote Belasco into the script oh my <laughs> as part goodness. of the play. Each night, Neil Patrick Harris um, and his successors ask if anyone in Boxby has seen the ghost, but so far, no takers. Um, Nevertheless, she said, I can tell you that the front door of my office suspiciously locks itself from time to time, and I know it isn't me doing it. So yeah, this this Broadway is one of the last things that Neil Patrick Harris was a part of, Mm. and you know how much I love him. Mm Mm-hmm. But he played Hedwig in the show, which is like the main character. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty interesting. That is cool. Living up to the saying, everyone's a critic, Velasco's ghost especially likes to appear after shows. It was reported that after an exceptionally good performance, his solid figure would appear backstage to chat with and shake the hands of actors. But if the night didn't go too well, Velasco would express his discontent by ransacking dressing rooms. <gasps> Furniture, vases, and belongings have been discovered oh, thrown no. against their walls door, and doors after bad performances. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of funny, that though. That is funny. He's like, are you fucking shitting me with this nonsense? Uh. 
Uh, recently, the Belasco's Theater has had, has had many flops. So if the stories are true, the Playhouse's cleaning crew must have been very mm-hmm. busy these last years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess in 2010, the current owners brought out its Tiffany lights and restored it to its former Grandois. Uh, paint was removed from its various murals, and the stained glass outside of the building was clean and restored. So I guess this made Belasco's spirit very happy. And um, the, as it said, after several mid-century flops, the Belasco Theater has renewed into what it once was, a beautiful playhouse with respected performances across all genres. Multiple Tony Awards have been won for the playhouse's performances, and many famous celebrities got their start there. Most recently, the revival of Hedwig and the Angry, and the Angry Inch ended its award-winning run on Broadway at the Belasco Theater after a record of 500 performances. Damn. Yeah, this raunchy rock musical took its final bow um, on December 13th of two, 2015. So since 2015, um, I'm gonna just going to kind of leave. This is my last little bit. I'm going to tell you just the recent shows that they've done in case you're interested. Mm-hmm. 2016 was Blackbird. 2017 was The Glass Menagerie, The Terms of My Surrender, Farinelli and the King. 2018 was Getting the Band Back Together and Network. 2019 was The Irishman. And 2020 was Girl from the North Country. And currently, and very sadly, the theater is closed down. Um, I believe it's due to, to COVID. Because okay. it just says temporarily. So I'm assuming. They'll open back up. It's, it's a pretty, it's one of those that is a uh, extravagant kind of thing to be able to go to the theater mm-hmm. it's not one of those that it's you not know, going to the movies and- right so obviously they're not going to be able to probably keep their it's it's going to cost a lot of money to run those performances yeah. and keep those actors going and i'm sure it's just easier to wait until everything's done and yeah. over with but so that's, that's my one. story of the, the velasco theater and next week i'm going to do uh, I believe it's called the Amsterdam. No, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to go read it. <laughs> no, you're, it's not going to be next week because you're oh, not the, doing the next. I'm sorry, my next paranormal one. It's a really good continue one. Continue the series. Yes, so you'll it's find a out really good then. one, and I'm excited to tell this story. It's it's kind of interesting, but anyways. So yeah, that's that's all I got. I have one. no more derailment tonight. I'm kind of tired. Good. Same. So we're gonna let Sophie hop on here. Hello, Sophie. Hello. What do you got for me today? The Bronzo Dragon. Okay. The Bronzo Dragon is a lake monster. Okay. In Russian folklore, it is said to inhabit Lake Bronzo near Andropol in western Russia. It is described to look like a dragon, but also look like a water noodle. A, a water noodle. Okay. A water noodle. <laughs> I'm not sure why I wrote that. Okay. Continue. <laughs> Rumors of a strange creature living in Lake Bronzo have existed for several centuries. One legend says that the lake monster scared off the Tatar-Mongol army that headed for for Novgorod in the 13th century. It's a long time ago. Yeah. It's an old water noodle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. Batu Khan Khan. Batu Kahan stopped the troops on the sides of Lake Franzo to rest, and the horses were allowed to drink from the lake. Okay. However, when the horses ventured down to the lake, a huge roaring creature emerged from the water and started eating horses and soldiers. A water noodle emerged from the lake and just started eating horses? How terrifying. <laughs> I don't know why I called it water noodle. I think I wrote this. Uh-huh. You think you wrote your notes? <laughs> hmm, I wonder who else could have done that. I think I wrote that. I okay. did I did write this. Okay. okay. But I don't know why <laughs> I wrote why. Okay. okay. Batu Khan's troops were so scared that they turned back and Novgorod was saved. <gasps> I might be pronouncing that wrong. That's okay. Novgorod. It's okay. You tried your best. I don't even know. According to another legend, some Varangians wanted to hide stolen treasure in the lake. When they approached the small island, a dragon came to the surface and swallowed the island. Oh, shit. So, apparently, it doesn't like when people try to hide, hide things in it. But you would think you would want the treasure. No? Okay. Keep going. <laughs> it was said that the dragon would be on the lake surface, but when people would approach it, it would go back into the water. Okay. So, it's kind of shy. I wonder what it did. Like, like 
I wonder what it did in the water. I don't know. But whatever it was, it was scary. Scared them away. Watching the lake? Well, yeah, it's the protector like Nessie is. Yeah. Okay. It is also said during World War II, the creature swallowed up a German airplane. Okay, so it can jump out of the water, or was the airplane in the water? We Do we not know? It didn't say. Okay, okay but it has a big stomach, okay? It has a big mouth, yes. big stomach. I'm guessing it's going to be a big dragon. So is it kind of like the big worm off of SpongeBob, the Alaskan bullworm? No. No? It's It has a dragon head, okay. but it looks like a snake, like a giant snake with okay, a dragon like head. Okay, like a big water serpent. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, Why did a plane look appetizing? Uh, it could be like King Kong and how it like, grabbed you know, the helicopter. and The dragon was like, hey, it look It saw it that. as a threat, maybe. Uh-huh. Maybe. And how to eliminate the threat. And that's it doesn't have hands or arms because it looks like a snake, so it kind of just had its mouth to do things. But, like, why did it eat it? I don't know. Imagine, like... I think this is what the conversation had in its head. Hey, there's a flying piece of metal in the sky. I'm going to go eat that. Well, maybe it thought it was a bug. A giant <laughs> bug, and it was hungry. <laughs> a giant bug. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Anyway. Why don't you go ask it? Any, yeah, I will. Okay. Anyhow, I hope you enjoyed today's creature. It certainly was interesting reading that it ate a plane. Right? It ate a plane. I don't understand. I don't think we ever will, unless you go ask it. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, um, thank you, Sophie. Today was a very short story, but um, That's okay. it was very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. I liked it. Very interesting. Good job. Anyhow, goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Sophie. That was a cool dragon story. Cool dragon story. I think that's story. what she did. It was something about dragons. Yeah, you're right. Um. <laughs> So thank you guys for listening. If you would like to follow us on our socials, you can find us on Instagram at Literally Disturb Podcast. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Twitter at Literally Pod. And we have a Facebook page that you can go like. And like we've said in the beginning of the show, if you would like to join our two groups, um, the official Literally Disturb Podcast one. And then Brittany has one that's Literally Disturb Investigations. If that sounds interesting to you, if you want to find a long lost loved one and you want her help you can go on there and mm-hmm. talk to her about it and she'll or help you out if you know anyone or even if you just want to kind of be a part of it because mm-hmm. i just like being a part of that other group not that i'm always actively participating and helping people yeah. findings but it's just really cool to go and see how these people get reconnected with i mean i'm talking there was i saw one on there this man was probably in his 70s trying to reconnect with his birth sister that they were separated at birth or Mm -hmm. something happened i don't remember but they had never met and he's you know in his 70s and he reconnected with his sister to me i just think that's super cool and i just kind of that's like my good service deed i guess that i want it's like i just want to give back and And to be a part of that it's really cool Um, it is cool it's very neat so go join that go help Brittany. give me some fun things to do if you find people (laughs) If you would like to donate to us on our Patreon, we'd very much appreciate it, but you don't have to. Um, you can find that on our Instagram in the link tree mm-hmm. link on there. Um, or if you want, just go to Patreon and then search Literally Disturbed. Or you can go buy some merch. Wait, um, did we take that down? Yeah. Never mind. Don't, don't do that yet. Well, we got to fix it first. Um, and but let's make a note on that, because I don't think we ever really addressed that. So we had... A few people order some shirts. I ordered a hoodie and a t-shirt. And then she, we, we ordered, she ordered one of the pillows and the pillows came out fantastic. It's like super great print. The colors are very vivid. It's all very sharp and clear. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's our logo because it has like that glow from Mm -hmm. the font or whatever, but it just does not show up on the printed t-shirts very well at all. And we just aren't happy with it. So we're. We're going to play around and maybe, I don't know if we're going to tinker around with our logo or if we're going to just find a completely different company and mm-hmm. see if they have better printing skills. I don't know. And if anybody knows how to create logos and can kind of like be artistic and help us with that, like that would be super cool. You can email us yeah, at literallydisturbed at gmail.com because I know there's a lot of creative people out there. And I'm creative. I just don't are. have the means to do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> or the time. I could probably 
make time, but the means, would, aren't but the there means still. definitely are not there. Right drawing now. pad and stuff. Um, yes, but anyways, right. so yes, we're working on that. We'll figure something out. Um, if, and if you have time today or this week, if you think about it, um, if you can go leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, that would really help us out. There's been a lot of people that have been so nice and have went went and wrote reviews for us, but it'll just continue to help us get out there. And it does. And the more the more downloads that we have, which we really have great numbers with our downloads, I have been very very happy with those mm-hmm. numbers. Um, but the more downloads we have, and the more reviews that we get. That are positive and nice and sweet yes. and five star. It, it puts us out to more people. So mm-hmm. more people are going to, we're going to reach more people. Like the, you know, the more people like us, they're like, okay, well, we'll see if more people like you. Mm-hmm. So that, even if you don't have any money to donate or do anything, well, that's cool. Like we get it. I mean, we all, we're working people. We understand mm-hmm. that's fine. We love you anyways. But if you can take your time to just go and do, share with your friends, you know, make that review. It really does make a huge difference for us. And we'll Huge. appreciate it yes. so very and much. And it so. is very, yes. But yes, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for another and week here. And we hope you have a good day. Bye. Bye.